0: Got a chance today to speak with Candace Brown-Evans, CEO of Fresh Dentistry. We talked about how she got in business, but the most interesting part of the conversation that I really enjoyed was how to create a great client experience. If you've ever been into her dentistry business in Cedar Hill, uh, the music is great. The feeling is great. The experience is just awesome, and it helps contribute to her clients, telling people and coming back. Uh, It is going... I, I predict people all over the Metroplex are going to talk about uh, fresh dentistry and the feel when you walk in. Y'all are going to enjoy it. All right, y'all, I am here with Dr. Candace Brown-Evans, owner of Fresh Dentistry in Cedar Hill, Texas. Hey, I appreciate you taking time to hang out with me today. No problem. Thank you for having me. My my pleasure. So, um, and is it, is it okay if I call you Candace? I, yeah, I,
1: please. I, this I, I is not...
0: I don't, don't, don't want to disrespect the doctor. <laughs>
1: No, I I honestly only go by my formal name at work. Outside of work, I'm all Candace. That makes me feel more comfortable, anyway. So go well, ahead.
0: Well, cool. Well, cool. So, so Candice, like the dentistry business is such a interesting and competitive business. What made What made you want to own your own dentistry business?
1: Well, um, I guess that that's a, a layered question. Um, I became interested in the profession early. Um, My ninth grade year in high school is when I really started to probe more. After that, um, every year I just started to explore, uh, shadow, work under other dentists. Um, I went to college, of course, graduated from there. I got my doctorate in dental school. And then once I actually got into the profession, I started to Really learn the dynamic of the business itself, and I knew for me, as always being such an independent, motivated leader, um, that moving toward practice ownership would eventually be my ultimate goal. So, it's just a progressive, uh, I guess, work and thought process that happened for me. What,
0: what, what made you care? what made you want to become a dentist?
1: Um, I actually just. It was very relative to just my previous dental experiences as a child. Like I would, um, my my dentist when I was a kid, he had an arcade in the dental office. And I cared nothing about dentistry at the time, but just getting back to that dental office to beat my last score on that um, video game. <laughs> but when my principal in the ninth grade <laughs> our school got into some trouble with, um, another school. And so he set us all down in the auditorium and was like, Hey, you guys need to get, you know, serious about life and what you want to do with your, your, you know, yourselves and your professions. And I'm sitting there like, you know what, you're right. This is time for us to, you know, for me to actually make a decision about what do I want to do after, you know, high school. So, and at the time, my only positive association with a profession was dentistry because again, I, I love going to that office and, i realized it had nothing to do with teeth it was all about the arcade game but it was enough to make me want to go back and explore it and so when i did it really incited my interest and then i just kept going from there
0: so so i i assume that you were relatively good at science
1: (laughs) yes school school has always been very easy for me um I'm an only child, and when I was growing up, education was very, very important. Um, It was a a high priority in the house, and it made me feel good to see how people reacted toward me excelling at something. Like, I instantly became gratified by their gratifications. Like, oh, you like it when I get an A. Okay, I can get more A's. You know, that that seems to work out well for you, and in turn, it, it works out well for me. So, that became like a habit over time. And so, school just was natural. I remember once i got into high school nobody really checked my report cards anymore because they just assumed that you know i was i was doing well and i was um but the excitement was gone for them they just became numb to it but for me it started to mean something else because i started to see that excitement with people at school like my counselors my teachers they immediately started to take more interest in me i guess now that I look back on it, I feel like they saw at the time she actually has potential to do something greater, you know, than this. And so they would just keep throwing challenges at me and I would want to do well with them. So it wasn't always that science just became easy. It's just It was just more or less me wanting to bear down and focus on whatever it was in front of me because I didn't like losing. I'm a sore loser even now. I don't like to lose. Losing is not an option. I just want to beat it and win.
0: I get, got it. Where did you
1: grow up? In Dallas. In Dallas, okay. Dallas, Texas. I was born in Dallas at Parkland, like many of my other Dallas friends. Oh. And I grew up in Highland Hills, which is a a little, a, like an eastern part of Oak Cliff. And okay. then I went to school down there for a while. And then right before I got into middle school, I transferred to North Dallas. Um, and I went to Forest Meadow Junior High and Lake Highlands High School.
0: Okay. And, and so and so, it, my, my little insert on the science thing was I was pretty good at school, too, but I took freshman biology, and it, like, and I was, like, a rarity. I literally, like, woke up every – I don't know, somebody scared the heck out of me um, <laughs> by college sometime, sometime in the summer. And so I had my little calendar, and, like, literally, no lie, freshman year, I would wake up in the morning, and I, my goal was study two hours before I had to go to my class, and I studied two hours before I was able to go hoop after <laughs> four hours a day for freshman year and I had um I had straight A's right but then I carried that routine to um to biology Mm -hmm. Um, and so in my second semester I had all A's my first in biology my second semester I did that but it's like biology kicked (laughs) Ma <laughs> i ended up I ended up getting a B, but she like had a crazy curve, like her curve was ridiculous, so yeah it didn't it didn 't affect me too bad, But I was like, you know what i 'm not good at science uh,
1: so. you know what i found too is that science is doesn 't have to be as complicated as as people think. kids are naturally inclined to be. Uh, intuitive. They want to know more, and so their natural instinct is to research things, and that's all science wants to teach. It's just that when the higher we get up into a profession, we get this thing called the the curse of knowledge. Well, we just assume that everybody else knows what we know. We forget what it feels like to not know. And then we start speaking in abstract terms and concepts that you can't understand if somebody, if you're trying to teach that to somebody. So what I found is either you're going to get lucky and get a really great science teacher, or you're going to struggle with one that can't really explain to you how, what they know. You know what I mean? They're really smart. They know everything, but they don't know how to teach it to you. So I think I just got, honestly, I got lucky because I had some really awesome teachers that made an abstract concept seem very tangible to me. And it made me want to, you know, it got me excited about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, you, you're probably right. I think the other, part, <laughs> the other part probably was me was by that time I got to a point to where I was like, School is pointless unless it's helping me make some money. Because I was pretty <laughs> the idea of becoming an
1: entrepreneur already. So I was like, if, that, <laughs> if it's not leading
0: to how to make money, I really don't want to learn it. Right? Hey, so,
1: look, I had that epiphany, too. So I'm sure we'll get to that later in the show. So yeah, I'll right. let you guide it from here. And,
0: and, we, and we are going there next. So so business, right? So so you um, were a you know, pretty successful dentist. You were pretty influential in building out a well-known uh, dental franchise out here in the South, um, uh, <laughs> that, that I personally refuse to go to because, I'm just not a fan of but, you know, anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. I
1: got you. I'm with you. Um, but,
0: um, but so, but you, you, you were there making good money, like part of a well-established brand, a, you right. know, a great business. Um, why'd you decide to like go out on your own?
1: Well, um, it, It was a point, like you said, I was doing very well. Um, I, I was working alongside with the owner and really growing their idea of, you know, their own practice and how they wanted to do dentistry within the Metroplex. And I was okay with it until there was contractual issues. And so therein lies the detail right there. It's like, when you get out of school, immediately you wanna start working because you you need to make money to pay off these student loans but school doesn't teach you the business side of things. Nothing that you learn in there is going to make you money. It will keep you safe and keep you from getting your ass sued, but it won't make you any money. And so I immediately realized, much like you, is that, hey, I'm done with school. I'm not going to school anymore. I need to get out and start you know, making a living for myself. And so I decided to partner with a, you know, a private dental office because I needed some mentorship in that aspect and it turns out that i was um i was already like aligned for that type of work. You know, I had the, the drive to do it. I had the organizational skills to do it. I had the people, you know, the personal skills, the, the management side of it came just as easy to me as school came. I won't say easy, but it was something that, you know, I was able to kind of solidify pretty well early on. And then when it got to a point that I had grown that company so much, um, I wanted them to see more value in me than you know um, what they were actually showing. And so when it came time to renew uh, my contract again, it was a very egregious contract and one that didn't provide me any equity. And I don't think they knew that I knew what equity meant and what contribution I had. They were just playing on the fact that she was just completely ignorant to everything and that, you know, she would just kind of keep doing what she's been doing. We would sell her contract with when we sold the company and it would just make us rich. And she would just be, you know, a, blissful in her ignorance, you know, and it, I had grown a lot, you know, I don't think they realized how much I had grown in that company, and so when I asked for that in exchange, it was more or less, no, we're not giving it to you, and mm-hmm. so me saying, okay, it's your company, I can't tell you what to do, I took it as a sign, well, then that means I got to go, you know, and it was hard, it's it's very scary thinking about going out on your own, because you you get so comfortable and complacent with with the position that you're in, making the money, just kind of going through the, the motions of life. But then to actually go out on your own, you do have to take a step back and say, okay, am I ready to jump off this cliff? Because either I'm gonna fall or I'm gonna fly. And I'm like, well, I ain't falling. So I'm gonna figure out how to make this go. So I did, I just, I just said, well, I'm out. And I left because they're not gonna ever value me. In my opinion, they were never gonna value me the way that I valued myself. And all the contribution that I made to that company will 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 be, will live. You know what I mean? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a non-combustible engine right there that I've created for them. So right. if they don't want to compensate me for it, I'm not going to continue to propel their company. I'm going to take it and do my own thing.
0: No, you know, and I, and I, and I love it and I love it because I, I just, you know, it's, it's, it's common knowledge that in our communities, you know, We we have not historically owned a lot of the businesses in the communities, and it's not that we're anti non black, but it's just more kind of what you said. You know, freedom. You know, yeah, we can vote, and that's part of freedom. But freedom comes from owning the economics. That's right. So so many people that aren't uh, from our community that make money in our community try to do the same thing that you're saying. Don't want to involve us in it. I'm like cool, but I'm so excited to see you know other other. folks in my community rising up and saying look I'm gonna take control and we're gonna you know build this freedom so and and, and, and that parlays into my next question because you've also been able to create something unique for the community like everybody who goes into your uh into your practice like talks about the music and the setup (laughs) you know just like the it's kind of like you know like apple is just cool it made cool products like you have just a cool um, you know, product. How'd you, did you, did you think about that? Was that strategic or was it just kind of part
1: of who you are? Yeah, no, that's, it's a little bit of everything. It's part of who I am. Uh, it was very strategic. I wanted to, that's the reason why I also wanted to do a startup. It would have been, most people might ask, well, why did you start a practice when you could have just went and, you know, bought one out? And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that's true. That's a great question. But when you buy an existing practice, oftentimes you have to go in and change the entire culture and personality of that office. I mean, talking, I mean, we can start with renovating for one thing, updating the entire office, Um, the staff, they've gotten accustomed to doing certain habits that may not fit with your vision of your practice, you know, so you actually go in doing more work than you actually have to if you just did a startup. So for me, doing a startup was just like you said, creating this vision, this atmosphere, this culture of what I wanted you know dentistry to be or how I wanted to practice and so the music is a part of me that's what I grew up on you know what I mean that's what a lot of my patients grew up on and so that when whenever something brings nostalgia or whenever it brings a memory back that also comes anxiety down you know and so when they come in here they don't necessarily feel like they're coming in here to be abused or mistreated you know they're like okay this is giving me a good vibe you know and vibes are big you know a big deal so so if I get a good vibe here, then I'll give her a chance, you know, when I get in the room. And then from there, you know, I just continue that vibe. And so it creates an atmosphere where my patients then leave here and I literally turn them into walking billboards. And they go out and they send four more people. And those four other people get vibes and they go, you know, so then it just proliferates on its own. So, yeah, it's very much intentional.
0: And, and so what else are you doing to marketing and grow, grow your business? I'm, I'm genuinely curious about how you <laughs> grow a dental practice
1: um so like you said it's it's very competitive there's no real cookie cutter in my opinion way to grow one although there are companies who will you know sell these type of products to dentists in order to help them grow their practice um a lot of people associate medical with uh insurance you know what i mean um oh i have dental insurance so now i can go to the dentist. Well, insurance can be a little binding, too, because they don't always allow you to go to the person that you want to go to, which is why I only take certain type of insurance is because it allows people to choose their provider versus them having to be assigned to one. And so... If you're assigned to a certain insurance company or a certain provider for the practitioner, they don't really have to market as much because they've already been assigned to you. So you have to come to them anytime you need dental work. So it takes the pressure off of them having to market. When you're not assigned, then that raises the stakes a little bit. Right now we're in the race. You know what I mean? Because. Technically, we all do the same thing, at least if you're a general dentist, like, yeah, we can fix that feeling. Yeah, we can take out that tooth. Yeah, we can do that root canal. But why go to me versus someone else? And it's a preference thing. Dentistry is very trustworthy-ish. People don't like going to people that they don't trust. Mm-hmm. If they like you, they can find 10 reasons to hate you. But if they find one reason to like you, then usually that overpowers any other reason that they have to hate you, you know what I mean? In the, in the event that it's not like detrimental, like hate things. But um, for me the way I found that it helps me grow is one that I've built relationships very early. So during the time of me practicing as an associate, I've maintained the loyalty of the patients that I've seen at that time to come back to me. And so that immediately gave me a boost with, you know, just the patient population that I had. Second, those people also leave really great reviews. Um, We live in a society where the internet can make or break you, man. The internet remains undefeated, and that goes for any company. They're not immune to a bad review, and and people people know when something's real and when something's fake. And so I can look at a company's review and say, okay, that one's fake. You know, Mm -hmm. that one's probably real. You know, I don't know what's going on here with this thing, but reviews matter. And so when people go out and say really nice things about your company or your practice, you in the turn start to, you know, benefit from that talk. So back to your question about how, how I've been able to target my marketing. I have been more specific with, um, like my social media campaigns. It's amazing how much those things collect free information. Like we give it to them. They don't even have to buy it at this point. They collect so much data on us that I can literally target the exact person and put an advertisement on in their fingertips within a matter of seconds, because of all the information that they've given. So I've invested a lot in that free, you know, information database and, you know, market it directly to those uh, patients. I've also done direct mail campaigns with my picture on it, you know, <laughs> that plays a lot into it, because people want to see who am I going to see? Who's the doctor there? You know what I mean? Do I want to meet her? Does she look like somebody that I would want, you know, to be my dental provider? And so those have been very effective as well just you know being repetitive with marketing you can't just put something out at somebody and expect them to respond to it people have to see things at least research is you know here we go back to science research has shown people have to see things at least six to seven times before they respond to it so I'll have patients that come in and say oh yeah your flyer was sitting on my countertop you know for the past few months or so and then I just decided I would go you know so it's like Yeah, I paid for that, you know, (laughs) four (laughs) months ago, but now you're actually acting on it. So I've just, marketing takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of specific targets, you know, to reach the the customer that you want. Because I'm not going to get every patient, nor do I want every type of patient. Mm -hmm. But I do want those patients that, you know, are going to more or less value the services that I'm offering. So just more target specific with everything.
0: And and so what's like the motivation for somebody who... Is, is a new client, right? Meaning, meaning I know there, there are people that have a dentist and maybe aren't super happy. Then there are people that haven't really gone. Right. So, so just for the ones that really haven't really been going, like they need to like, what's the, what's the motivation, right? How do you like get them off the chair? And yeah. <laughs> um,
1: how do I get the people that have never been to come see me? Um, or 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 let me maybe
0: maybe not never been, but just aren't going as consistently as they should as they as should a, as an adult, right? Because people take their kids, but sometimes they don't.
1: Right. um well I I have to win them over one of two ways. I either have to directly get in front of them or get to somebody that they know. Um and so that's really been my target angle. Like a lot of people, believe it or not, will bring their kids. And it's almost like they're experimenting with their kids. It's like, well, I'm going to let my kids go first. And then if they do well, then I'll, you know, I'll come. So a lot of my patients, they'll bring their kids and they'll say, oh, well, I'm going to make my appointment next. And so they'll make their appointment on the way out after they've seen how I've interacted with their kids. Or they'll come as a you know maybe their husband will come or the wife will come first. Or and they then, send their wife first, right? Yeah, and then and then the wife will go back and give her a report of what happened or a cousin or a coworker. They're always trying to investigate or get a mole inside to find out. Well, should I go? The other thing is dentists don't really have the reputation of having um, warming personalities um, because they they create this distance right it's like I'm the doctor and you're the patient like whatever I say you have to do well technically yes but people don't want to feel judged they don't they're often ashamed if they haven't been in a long time they don't want to not because they don't think they should they just don't want to be embarrassed by you I've had patients that tell me I don't want you to see you know my mouth, or I don't, you know, I don't want you to know these things about me, because this is a very personal space, just much like your banking information, or your financial information, or your marriage, you don't want to share these types of things, and they see their mouth as the same thing, they don't want to be judged, they don't want to feel ashamed, and so what they're really testing, they don't know, um, and excuse me for a second, I have to sign something, Uh, I'm so sorry, Phil, I'm
0: uh, no, you're good. I, I, I can edit this part out. Okay. Or I might just keep it in there. Just to start, just to how is done.
1: All right, but they don't want to be judged. And so what I'm really doing when they come in, they don't care that I know how to make a margin. They don't care what a feeling looks like. All they want to know is... If, can you do it? How much is it going to cost? And is this going to hurt? And they also know, want to know, are you going to judge me? That's what they want to know. And so when I meet them, I'm oftentimes trying to break down walls of anxiety. I'm trying to make them laugh. I'm trying, I'm like a stand-up comedian when I get in there. I'm trying to break through the tension in the room. I'm trying to find some common ground for them to help me relate to them, help me understand what they're thinking. Even before I touch them sometimes, I'm asking them, what brought you in? You know what I mean? Do you live in the neighborhood? What do you do? Do you like doing that? You know what I mean? Do you have any kids? Do you have any grandkids? Like, you know, then I tell them things that relate to them. Maybe they're not from here. I ask them how they like Dallas. Um, You know, after I've gone over, if they need anything, I'll go over what they need. And I'll say, well, how was your last dental visit? You know, was it a good experience? Was it a bad experience? If it was bad, why was it bad? What can I do to make it better? Help me help you, you know, let me know what you need. And they often don't expect that you know what I mean they're like why is she talking to me like why won't she stop talking to me they expect me to just walk in tell them what they need and walk out that's what they are used to they're not used to me going in detail about anything they're not used to me when I haven't seen them in six months asking them about oh how was the football season you know what I mean how was school this last semester like did you ace that class or you know here's some information here's a book I bought when I was in school you can have it you know if it'll help you out they don't expect that and when when people get what they don't expect mm. that is sticky that makes them remember like oh I like going to her you know what I mean I'm gonna I'm tell my you know cousin to go there so much of what we what makes me competitive is the fact that I reinvest my energy back into the patients so that I don't have to give that money to some big marketing company that's going to make a lot of empty promises I know for sure my patients will make the promises or do exactly what I want them to do
0: Absolutely, yeah. Hey, and the only reason that I floss uh, is so I don't so so my dentist knows that I floss when I go,
1: and that's good. I mean, most of my patients really don't do the greatest at it, but they're they're honest and they say, to be honest, Doc, I just flossed right before I got out of the car before I came here. So, and that's fine. Flossing is very tedious, but you know. I've managed to do it every day and sometimes multiple times a day. I'm always the one at the dinner table that has slots. People expect that of me, but you know, yeah, it I is know. what it is. I don't pass judgment.
0: Uh, I, one, one more question before I go to my lightning round. I got those pull up, pulled okay. up. up. Um, it was, and I, and I knew I was going to forget it. I should have wrote it down. Cause you said something about, um, uh, it made me super curious. You said something about starting the dentistry business, um, starting the industry business, the new, I might have to just ask this after I, um, after I asked these and just edit it back in because it was a really good question too. <laughs> I
1: said in the beginning, I talked about me starting, going to college, school didn't teach you anything about making money. I it wanted to get some mentorship.
0: <laughs>
1: um,
0: and but it was before this last question when we were talking about uh, th- coming in people being afraid new yeah new dentist. oh man it was a good question too <laughs> i'm
1: but, sorry
0: no 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 it's 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 okay uh and it had to do with numbers money that's what it was so dental insurance so, mm-hmm. so, so so basically what i understand about dental insurance is you're basically just prepaying for your cleanings give or take right and so um is it at, is it at all possible for like a dentist for you to just set up auto recurring payments and then you kind of become the insurance company for, or is that not legal um
1: so that's a good question so first let me describe let me give you a backstory, story because these these stories have to have some type of fan, foundation so people when they have insurance they think they have a million dollars of free money that they can use anytime they want to nah that's not how it works if you look up the definition of insurance it talks about something that's going to be compensated in the event of an unexpected occurrence this is not an unexpected occurrence. They expect you to actually go to the dentist. So they don't really give you insurance per se. They give you a benefit. They give you a dollar amount that you can use for a whole year of or fiscal year of that insurance policy. And they're going to put and because it's an insurance company, they're going to put all kinds of clauses in there on how you can use this dollar amount. And so they'll say, well, we'll pay for your cleanings, but You can only have one a year, and the other one you have to pay out of pocket. Even though you might have a $20,000 max or a $20,000 benefit, they're only going to pay for one of your cleanings. And that's it well people are like why well, I have $20,000 insurance yes you do but your insurance is not gonna allow you to use all $20,000 of that well I need you know and then they want they see the the cosmetic work that I do and they want their insurance to pay for that insurance does not pay for any cosmetic work I don't care if they gave you $50,000 they're not paying one cent of $50,000 towards your cosmetic work um, if if you need a filling or let's say you need a crown and you say well, okay well I have dental insurance they should pay for it well they They might say, well, crowns are considered major work and we're only going to pay 20%. So if your crown's a hundred bucks, you got to pay $80 of that crown, even though you have $1,500 dollars you do not get to use all $1,500 of that. So people don't often know what insurances that they have, nor do they understand how convoluted they can be. I wouldn't expect them to know that because often people don't get a choice on what insurances to pick because they don't know what kind of insurance is to pick. It's not something that is explained through HR. Usually the company picks it because it matches whatever's in their budget to afford for their employees, and that's what they give their employees, and their employees go out and try to use it. So the frustration comes in to where people just don't know what their insurance are covering and what they're not covering the reimbursement rate is already extremely low so they think I'm just taking all their money I don't get hardly any of it the insurance company can take up to 30 days to pay me on a claim and at 30 days at 29 and a half days they can deny the claim and then I have to appeal it again and process it one more time so I'm I really don't make a whole lot of money off of insurance at all. I only only accept it because people want to use it, but I won't get, you know, any major reimbursement rate off of it. And then on the back end of that, after I submit the claim and and if they, you know, let's say they approve it, they'll do something petty, right? They'll say... Okay, we'll, we'll pay, you know, the $80 for the crown, but we're not gonna, and they'll pay like $75 when they should have paid $80. And then they'll say, You know, the patient needs to pay the other $5. And then I got to send the patient a bill for $5. And that makes me look like, you know, petty, patty over here, sending a bill for five bucks. Well, if I have 2000 patients who owe me $5 that adds up, you know what I mean? So I have to go back and collect those things. And so with insurance, it's, it's a little difficult to mimic in the office. um, Because I'm not a financial institution. And if I do start, you know, holding funds like that, or putting things on automatic payments, Mm -hmm. then my taxes kind of change, right? Because then I have to kind of shift how I'm holding the money, how often I do this, on my charge and finance charges. So you have to really be savvy and have a good team if you're going to start doing that. But there are in-house plans that don't necessarily involve insurance. They just, they're like a membership, if you will. And you just sign up for the membership. And if you need work, they just, you know, because you're a part of the membership, you get a discount on services. So it's not a reoccurring thing. Usually, it's like a one, like a one-time payment that you pay, mm-hmm. and then it just have it just occurs for the rest of the year. But I haven't seen one where you just have automatic payments every month because every month people don't need any. You know, they may not need dental work, so right. it doesn't necessarily work out well that way. Got it.
0: Got it. Okay, that no, makes sense. I've always wondered that. So. My, my my I need to come up with a name for these questions, but here's five questions I ask every guest. Right. So, if you can travel in time and tell your 22 year old self one thing, what would that be?
1: <laughs> if I can travel in time and tell my 22 year old self, what was I at 22? I was still in undergrad. What would that be? I would tell myself, um, man, I don't know. I probably, I would probably tell myself to save more money, uh, improve my spending habits. Um, Because when you're starting a business, you know, I hate saying that because there's there's so much more. That's that's such a solidified, like consolidated statement. It's so much more to it than that. People say they're entrepreneurs, but the people who brag about being entrepreneurs aren't really doing anything. There is a huge dynamic to this thing called starting a business. It is a huge dynamic from putting teams together to building relationships to organizing you know fiscal budgets sticking to those budgets not making excuses to play into why you need less money why you need more money being over leveraged you know interest rates i mean it's so much bigger than just starting a business but i will say if you can train yourself to live below your needs well below your needs you will, you will under compound interest will work in your favor. You will understand how to grow and scale a company from there. Because whenever they come, they start looking at buying and selling things or buying and selling businesses. Because it when you're in the business, you're not going to make a whole lot of money. It's not until you harvest the business when you start cashing out, you know what I mean? Your cash flow. Yeah, it can be great. But as long as you're operating a business there's always going to be issues within the company that you're going to have to respond to quickly and shift too quickly if you don't already have those established principles in place before you get to that point you're you're going to struggle the whole entire time you're going to struggle so i would just tell myself to just have better habits of money and just learn learn this money thing well before it's time to put it in use
0: hey that's that is real what are your top three favorite brands of what just it doesn't matter whatever it could be just when you think about these brands you're like look when i buy when i buy x i only buy x like what are those your top three brands that whatever
1: oh um (laughs) you know what philip i haven't ever since in 2016 a lot changed for me like that was my year of growth. I haven't, I haven't went shopping, shopping, like, and went and bought anything on a brand scale in a while. But I will say that I've gotten pretty specific about my dental supplies. Okay. I only get my equipment from the top three major brands in the dental. Well, they kind of have a monopoly on it anyway. Henry Schein, Patterson, and Banco. And I only get major equipment from them, like x ray equipment, chairs, things like that, because they have warranties on those things, and they'll honor their warranties um as far as like other supplies, I will shop around, but I have very specific things that I'm looking for when I'm shopping around so that's a that's a hard question for me to answer but no, no,
0: it's it's really I mean, cool.
1: I I don't really have any. I I promise, I don't have a brand that I just attach myself to. And to be honest, I refuse to pay. I'm I'm not cheap, but I would rather go endorse because I am an entrepreneur. I would rather go endorse some young designer. Or some, you know, up and coming, you know, business before I go indoors, a a $1,500 purse, when I see no value in that right now, you know what I mean, I see no reason for me to do that, because that to me, that's just a a horrible way to, to spend my money It's just a depreciating asset, because again, my mind changed a lot. When I started thinking about business, it, it will do that to you. You have to let it change you and you can't really see, you'll never be the same again because you can't really see the the benefit of buying something that expensive or going in that route. But I will, when I shop, I'm very specific about produce, about what it looks like, you know, how it feels, what benefit am I getting from it? I don't want to live in excess. I've kind of regurgitated a lot out of my house just because mm-hmm. I don't want to be surrounded by things I'm not using anymore.
0: So So let me ask it a different way then, because this this is a very non-judgmental question. I love your answer, but what I'm trying to get to, so for example, where do you go to the grocery store ever, you know, when you go?
1: I shop at Tom Thumb because I like the gas points.
0: (laughs) And And then what about, are you iPhone or Google?
1: I'm iPhone. I'm iPhone. Yes. But I would like to get out of iPhone and move over to an Android, but I'm locked into their system tight. I have an Apple computer. I have an iPhone. I have a tablet. I can't get out of the iOS system. I'm a, I'm a prisoner.
0: See Now, you know, uh, these, I'm asking these questions as an investment advisor. I'm trying to figure out like that's by the way, full disclosure, me and my clients own Apple. Right. But that's one of the reasons why.
1: (laughs) I can't get out. It's a, it's a brilliant plan. I can't get out of this system. There's no syncing those two systems. So I have to just you know, when I have a kid, I'll get them an Android. That way, I can use their slowly,
0: stuff. Slowly get out. Yeah, you gotta get out slowly. All right. What what do you watch, read, or listen to uh, to get your news and education?
1: Um, what do I watch, read, or listen to to get news or education? So for education. I like to read. Believe it or not, I'm reading two books at once right now. I have literally both of them right here. I got this one's called Made to Stick and this one's called The Real Estate Game. Um, I like to hold the book. I like to read it. I like to say the words out loud to understand concepts on my own. Um, And I'm really interested in biographies because they tell a lot about a person's story. And I often see the patterns happening in, you know, within myself. So my educational front just comes from what drives me next. Like I'll have an ideal about something and then I'll eventually want to go out and find out how do I get this going. So I'll go pick out two books and start reading them at the same time. As far as news, news you can get anywhere, right? It's, It's kind of overstimulating with the news. I mean, anybody who can gather an audience can put on a blog or something and share news. So I mainly get my news through email. I don't really watch the local news because it's kind of depressing. They're always talking about something that's happened or somebody that's got shot or whatever. And I just, I feel like that negativity just kind of feeds itself, you know, in your mind. So I just get a glimpse of it (laughs) on my email or whatever my Apple news pops up. Mm -hmm. I kind of scan through what I need to see. And then I look, I kind of watch the markets a little bit and see where don't I don't want to that so I try to have a a full scope of what's going on all around me I listen to your podcast your your financial podcast um I keep in touch with my social networks really intensely because I feel like their news it's it's going to be tailored to their profession but it's also going to be a genuine perspective too you know from your peers so yeah no no that's okay
0: and and so you've already kind of answer the fifth question so I go for the fourth and the fifth one was like books you read and you answered that so yeah what do, you, what do you watch for entertainment
1: so when you shut your brain off and you gotta stop <laughs> the, the money what you, and, and, Man, and- sh- streaming is the best thing that ever happened to me because I don't have to wait to seven o'clock for something good to go on I can just go straight to it and binge it um but I like Movies about the impossible about doing the impossible, so i 'm a natural lover of action movies, supernatural movies, superhero movies. I like series i don 't really get into drama series. I hate that you know i don't i won 't say I hate it, but it 's not really my thing. I will watch some comedy things, um, but I usually kind of find myself leading up to things that Um, have more of a leadership base. You know what I mean? Like, I like watching things about... just how to overcome situations, you know, or uh, watching certain people develop into a leader. Um, I, recently, I binge watched uh, Game of Thrones, and that movie, that show, it can be very barbaric from one side of it, but the the way I look at it is, it's a it's a fantastic story about leadership. What kind of leader do you want to be in life? You know, there's the there's a the main character, he's very much a leader in every way, but no, everybody sees it in him. He just, he just has to acknowledge it for himself that you know he's kind of set this precedent. So I like watching shows like that. And then I also will watch, a, like I'm watching now this thing on Netflix called One Strange Rock. And it's about the earth. Um, and it's narrated by Will Smith. And it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And it's got all
1: the astronauts that have been in space. Um, uh, even Mae Jemison, the first black um, astronaut a female astronaut in space so I know.
0: I gotta check that out yeah, yeah I uh I didn't watch Game of Thrones too it, uh, unless you want to get really stuck on an Amazon one, that's good like I literally got sucked into this one and I couldn't stop I watched three seasons and probably like two weekends but it's called uh, the man in the high castle It's really good the
1: Man
0: in the high castle yeah it does. okay it does. I will
1: watch it
0: the premise is set as if it goes back to um, 15 years after World War II and they assume that Germany and Japan won. So it's kind of that world. Mm. It's good. Like, I was like, I'm not going to like this, but I heard it on <laughs> podcast. And I watched it, and I literally got sucked into it. So, <laughs> based on your taste, you would like it.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> well, but I can't watch too much because I can't read. So I have to pick a time when I want to stop and just get it all and be done with it.
0: Yeah, that's, that, that, that's why I said don't watch it unless you want to get caught up. Because I had... I had <laughs> I, I'll temporarily go through periods of time where I'm just like, I can't put any more information and education in my head. And yeah. I gotta like veg out. Right. And so. Yeah. I just, I just took two weekends and I stayed up late at night. And just <laughs>
1: <still> <laughs> and got recovery. it over with. <laughs>
0: I'm so tired. I'm still recovering, but uh, th- thanks for your time. And this was like some really good information. I appreciate you. coming. No on. problem. I know your, your time is valuable. So thanks for, um, uh coming on and I'll I'll link up your website in the in the in the show notes.
1: Okay, sounds good. I appreciate you having me. That
0: was fun. Oh, should do good. it again? We absolutely <laughs>